And so as I was praying and just uh, seeking God for today's word, I see so much new growth and so many things happening at the rock. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've, I felt led by the Lord to share with you a message about growing strong in the Lord, growing strong in the Lord. You know, we've been given the charge in Scripture to build ourselves up in Christ, right? You and I have been given the charge in Scripture to build ourselves strong in Christ. Salvation is the work that God the Father has done through the Son and is perfecting through His Holy Spirit. In other words, through His Son we are saved, and through His Holy Spirit we are kept, right? His Son paid the price, and now His Holy Spirit keeps us, maintains us, protects us, leads us, delivers us, changes us, cleanses us, all happening all the time. We need all that. Are you with me? But you and I, in the process of God saving us and His Holy Spirit perfecting us, you and I have to be engaged in His process, right? We have to be engaged in His process. That word keeps coming up. I've been preaching in different venues, and and that's kind of the word that just keeps coming up. Be engaged in my process of salvation. Be engaged. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this incredibly anointed movie called, it's an animated movie called The Incredibles. It's It's a great movie, right? It's pretty funny, right? It's about this family of superheroes. And there's a scene in the movie where the kids are acting up and they're going crazy. And the mother's trying to get them all together. And all all of a sudden she looks at her husband and she says, or she screams at her husband and she says, I need you to engage, right? One of those, I need you. I know that there are not many mothers who have said that to their husbands. (laughs) I need you to engage, right? I sense that, I sense that. I sense that when I read the scripture and when I look at the scripture, that oftentimes it's like God saying to us, my son, my daughter, I need you to engage. I need you to engage. I'm doing, I'm doing an awesome work, but I need you to get excited. I need you to come with expectation. I need you to engage with what I'm doing. And, and, I, and I, I believe that we have to respond appropriately to that. You see, the Scriptures teach us, yes, God saves us. The Scriptures teach us, yes, the Holy Spirit perfects us. But the Scriptures teach us that we need to engage in His plan. No matter where we live and what influences are out in the world or what pressures we may face on a daily basis, you and I are made responsible by the Scriptures to grow strong in Christ. Strong in Christ. You know, you... The, the vision or the picture that I get in my mind when I hear that word grow strong in Christ, I think of a, of a castle. I think of a, of, a, of a fortress with walls all around. Back in the days, the walls served as protection. The walls served as a defense that helped, uh, helped a, a, a kingdom protect itself and protect the cities. And so a wall with breaches means that the enemy can penetrate, come in, and, and, and make vulnerable a people. Christians aren't supposed to be fortresses with breaches in their character life, with breaches in their spiritual life. We're supposed to be guarded by God and His Holy Spirit, and as we engage in Him, we're supposed to be strong, fortified. It's the word that comes to mind, fortified in Him. And yet, that's not the work of God alone and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to say yes to that work. If you go with me to Jude 1, 17 through 23, I'm going to share with you that scripture and uh, uh, just those, those verses there, and we'll dive deep into the word. Verse 17 reads this way. But you, that means you and I, 
But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time or in the last days there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in, the, in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. I want you to pay attention to what that says there. It says, judge those who doubt. Is that what it says? It says, have mercy. What's mercy? Receiving or giving that which you do not deserve. I don't know about you, but I need mercy today. Hey, and I'll tell you, there are times in my life where I go through seasons where, you know, doubt is near. Doubt is real. Right? I need, a, I need brothers in Christ who hold me up. That don't judge me and, 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 and that don't look at me and say, well, I thought you were supposed to. You're supposed to have this faith thing together. Are you with me? I need brothers in Christ who are going to lift me up and say, brother, I got you. I got you. I'm going to be strong where you're weak. Be, show mercy to those who doubt. Uh, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear or with reverence. In other words, another sign of mercy. People who give mercy are typically people who are reverent, who revere God, who fear the Lord. In other words, the people who understand, I know who God is and I know who I am. I know what he's forgiven me of. I have room to show mercy. Anybody here have room to show mercy? Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear. Hating, detesting, hating, despising. Even the garment stained by the flesh. I want you to pay attention there. It's not only talking about hating sin, but it's talking about everything that looks like sin or has been influenced by sin or has the smell or the appearance or has touched sin. It's Hating anything that looks like the work of the flesh. That's a strong word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for your anointing that breaks the yoke. I declare freedom in Jesus' name over your church. God, I declare freedom today. Thank you for giving it to us, Lord. Thank you for the freedom to respond to you fully, to trust you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The person who wrote this letter is Jude. And I love the way Jude introduces himself in the first verse. He says, Jude, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, brother of James. The reality is that Jude was also brother of Jesus physically, right? But what Jude did is present himself in the position that really mattered. And the position that mattered was that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have easily said, I'm the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe assumed that position, but instead he recognized that the right position uh, that, that, uh, to be placed in is in, serv- in servanthood to the Lord Jesus. And I love what the scriptures would say is not just servant, but his bond servant. 
I'm not a servant of obligation. I'm not a servant because I'm being held captive against my will. I'm a servant because I choose to serve with the freedom that I've been given in Christ. You'd clarify his real position of Christ. And what he really wanted to do, when you read the, the short letter, Judas, you know, like a, a once liver, one page in your Bible, what he wanted to do was just talk about salvation. It's almost as if he's saying, man, I really wanted to share with you this great salvation, but then I felt compelled to share with you, to speak to you. I felt it was necessary for me to speak to you about what I'm seeing uh, uh, there that needs to be addressed. And he, he begins to challenge them to contend for their faith. In other words, he's saying, you need to fight for what you believe in. And believe is not just what we believe in our mind. But remember that believe according to Jesus, we need to redeem the word believe. Believe means actually walk according to his commandments. If I believe the Lord, I'm going to believe what he says. Therefore, my life is going to be changed radically by his words. Believe is not just something, oh, I believe in him, but I don't live for him. If I believe in him, then he's my Lord. Are you with me? And so he says to them, you need to contend for the faith. In other words, fight for that which you believe. And do not allow these people to come in and teach deception. See, there were teachers that were coming in that were teaching things apart from the will of God. Uh, They were teaching another gospel. The gospel that they were teaching was the gospel that said, because you receive grace, In the Lord Jesus Christ, you can live however you want. Basically, you know, the Lord has saved you. He's paid the price. Go live life. Don't worry about boundaries. Go go enjoy uh, whatever you feel that you should delight in because you're free in Christ. Go be sexual and moral. Go cross the boundaries. That was the message of, of some of the Gnostics of that time. And Jude, though he wanted to write about salvation and the joy of salvation, he saw this as such a serious issue and such a stronghold that he said, I I felt it was necessary for me to address this issue. He really wanted to write a letter expounding on God's salvation, but he wrote a letter to deal with the false teaching that was creeping in the church. He also talked about Jesus. There in the, in the following verses, you'll find that Jude says, remember, uh, he points uh, to the reality of Egypt and the people in Egypt, that God was able to deliver, that God was able to deliver the people from Egypt, but this same God who's a God of deliverance is also a God who judges. And why is that important? Because God can save and deliver us, but if we walk in unbelief, there can be judgment. That's why it's important, because the God who delivers is also the God who judges. And I want you to understand that God is not an auditor looking at our flaws, trying to write down on a notebook, you know, all of our mistakes so that he can give us a discipline note or a referral so that we can be in school, in some kind of in-school suspension. I I know I need need to be healed from all the in-school suspensions I serve, Brenda. Don't laugh at me, Benita. Come on. But, you know, but, but in the, God is not an auditor who's looking at our mistakes, Right? And who are try, trying to judge us. But he is perfect in righteousness and holy. And he demands holiness from his people. And if we're going to call him Savior, we need to understand that he's Lord. And here in this process of his saving grace, uh, here, here in this process, we see that, that, that Jude points out to the reality that the same God, the same Jesus that delivered out of Egypt is the same God who judges. Just be aware of who he is. It's the same God who brought righteous judgment. And he also spoke to them of the reality that grace, the grace of God, doesn't give us a license to continue in sin. The wonderful grace of God 
doesn't give us a license to accept sinful habits or behavior in our lives. There is something that is that we have to get out of our language and out of our thinking. The whole idea, or if we say to ourselves things like, well, I know that this is wrong in my life, but I'm saved by grace anyway. If we say that, we have to question whether we actually receive true grace. Because when we receive true grace, sin becomes very uncomfortable. It becomes very uncomfortable. It becomes, it, there's a love-hate there. Uh, we love sin, we hate sin. We love sin, we hate sin. Someone said, well, I don't love sin. Do you know what I mean? The flesh desires sin. Paul says, you know what? I do what I don't want to do. What I, uh, uh, and you know what I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, man, who can save me? Right? So there's that reality in us that we have to be aware of. When the true grace comes in, it's going to make us uncomfortable. I don't know how many times I talked to brothers in Christ who have said, man, everything was okay. I loved my sin, but then all of a sudden I just got convicted. It's like I couldn't do it anymore. Met with somebody who met me at the YMCA, and he said to me, I realize what my problem is, Carlos. I said, what's that? He said, my problem is, is that I have too much of God to enjoy the world, and I have too much of the world to enjoy God. And I, I, can, I, can, I, can I suggest to you that there are many of us in that place? Too much of God to enjoy the world, too much of the world to delight in God. True grace is not okay with sin in our lives. And these are clear mandates to the church as the church waits for Jesus to return. God calls us to grow strong in him. And growing strong in him, meaning, again, being like a fortified city, strong, uh, 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 with no breaches in our character, in our lives. And sin creates those breaches and the, the places where the enemy has strongholds in our lives. And these are five things that Jude points out that we'll go through quickly here that teach us what it looks like to grow strong in Christ. Number one, Jude says, again, very clearly, we must grow strong in the faith. We're going to be strong believers. We're going to be strong Christians. You and I have to be strong in the faith. And how do we gain faith? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. You and I need to understand this. Faith is something that we have to grow in. Faith is something that we have to grow in. And in order for us to grow in faith, we have to feed that which nourishes our faith. And what nourishes our faith is being in the Word of God. And you know what I used to do? I used to hear that. And I would say, oh, praise God, I got that covered. I go to church on Sunday. Sweet. <laughs> Even Thursday. You know, I would say, I'm covered. But you, that's, that's only enough, enough food to keep you malnourished, spiritually speaking. And I can prove it to you. Raise your hand if you can tell me what the second point of my message was last week. Anybody? No, right? Oh, okay. So many people are like, Pastor, I heard that word. That was so good. That was amazing. Wow. What did I preach on? Um, but it was good, though, because I was there and it was good. You saw me crying. I was like, you know, the ugly kind of like with the boogers. And the, you know. <laughs> Why don't we remember sometimes? 
We don't remember because it's just a meal. We had one meal. It was good. God nourished us that moment. That meal should be followed by another meal called your devotional life. When you go home and you keep diving into that word, right? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You know, we can't depend on one, on one message on Sunday or on Wednesday to sustain us for the week. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And hearing the Word of God, we've got to be reading the Word daily. Right? And we can talk about all kinds of Bible plans on how to read the Word. But number one, we've got to be hearing the Word of God. But not only hearing the Word through the reading, but hearing the Word through the people we keep around us. Are you with me? What are people speaking into your life? Look at the five closest people in your life. Are they speaking the Word of God into your life? Because those that surround you will typically shape your faith. Now, I want you to be clear. I love to be around people who, uh, who don't know Jesus and people who are young in Jesus. You know, I don't put expectations on them to feed me spiritually. I like to be around them because I want to be a blessing to them, right? I want, I want to share with them the good news. But I understand that there are people who are going to speak into my life that I need to have on a regular basis because I can be dead in my sin and in faith and preach. Are you with me? And I don't want that to be the reality of my life. So how do I grow in faith? Strong in faith. I got to be about my devotional life. I got to have people around me who are speaking the word of God in faith and encouraging me, rebuking me, disciplining me, and loving me through the word of God. Amen? We're going to be strong believers. We have to grow strong in the faith. And that comes by hearing his word. Are we committed to the word of God today? Are we committed to hearing it, reading it? Are we committed to... uh, Put ourselves in places where we're constantly being bathed by the Word of God. Let me tell you something. The words you hear have a deep effect on who you are. What you read, what you hear, has a deep effect on who we are. Secondly, if we go to that scripture that we just read, verse 20, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. And praying in the Holy Spirit, it says there. Do you see that? First, we got to build ourselves strong in the faith by hearing the Word. Secondly, we have to pray in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that our prayer life should be led by the Holy Spirit. This is for all the believers. This letter was written, it's actually called the Catholic Church or a Catholic letter, and what it means is it's a general, it was meant to be circulated to all who believed in Christ. So if this letter was meant to circulate and be given to all believers, and in this letter it says that you and I need to pray in the Spirit, what does that mean? You and I need to be about the Holy Spirit. And our prayer life should be such that depends on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to ask yourself, are you asking for the guidance, guidance of the Holy Spirit? Are we welcoming the Holy Spirit as we read the Word or as we do life on a daily basis, as we cook or whatever? Say, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? What are you saying about this issue? As we're handling our budgets and our finances, as we talk to our spouse and our children, are we saying, Holy Spirit, what would you say? As we're making decisions for the house that we're going to buy or the car that we're going to buy or the school that we're going to go to, are we saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? 
Or are we even before we saying anything, are we hearing the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit speak, are we willing to say and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit? Because I believe that oftentimes the Holy Spirit is telling us stuff to do and to walk by faith. And instead of listening, we, we've learned to say justifiers or have justifiers that keep us from listening and praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and again, I'm going to talk, I talk about, this is kind of confusing. I talk about walking and prayer almost simultaneously, like they're one and the same. Because I see prayer as a communication with God. And it's out of the prayer life that we're supposed to do life anyway, right? So I, I want you to understand this, that praying could just, we could be praying as we're doing life, right? Because we're supposed to pray without ceasing. The Holy Spirit, and praying means that the Holy Spirit is talking, not just you talking all the time. Right? And so when that happens, sometimes you just be at work. You may be singing a song, whatever, great is your mercy towards me. And as you're singing, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, it's great. Now go show that mercy to that brother right there. Oh, that pizza is really bad. It's messing with me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. God, I just love you. I just thank you. I just, I just want to be face to face with you. Hey, that's great. Um, let's, let's deal with this area in your life. We need to get rid of this. Oh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, no, no. And I wonder how many times we even use Scripture against the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, we're getting deep there. I wonder how many times we, we, we you know, we're expert justifiers. I'm going to say it. I love you. I'm, I'm saying it about myself. I'm not done We're expert liars. Psalm 36 says this, the wicked, the wicked flatters himself too much in his eyes to detect his own sin and hate it. That's how the wicked is. And I remember reading that and saying, oh, that is so true. That's so-and-so. Yeah. That is exactly how they're acting. But the Lord was like, no, Jack, this is for you. <laughs> you know, stop thinking about their part of the equation. How about yours? Because the wicked flatter themselves too much in their own eyes to detect their own sin and hate it. So why is it important to be led by the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. You and I are incapable of reaching the truth if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. There's truth about us that we're not even willing to accept right now, but praise God for the Holy Spirit that reveals it and then holds us and comforts us and says, I'm going to bring you through this. Are you with me? We need to pray in the Holy Spirit because there's freedom in our lives that comes as we listen and are led by the Holy Spirit that we need. There are people who need freedom that we're only going to be able to take that freedom to them if we're led by the Holy Ghost. We must pray led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know why, but I feel led to share this with you. There were times in my life where uh, I remember distinctly when I didn't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'll have to live with that. Now, I know that my God is a forgiving God. And He's a merciful God. And He's a gracious God. But I want you to know the consequence is not being led by the Holy Spirit in prayer. The consequences of not listening. You don't want those. You don't want those. 
We have to grow strong in the faith by getting into the word, hearing the word, surrounding us by uh, surrounding ourselves with people who are speaking the word. We have to learn to pray in the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's for you and I, and we cannot live without it. And then third, we must keep, keep ourselves in the love of Christ. I want you to just, again, let's go back to that scripture. Uh, this is what Jude says, that as we... Uh, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. So we keep ourselves in the love of God by building ourselves in the faith and by praying in the Holy Spirit because we're mandated to keep in the love of Christ. And I just want to say this. Do you want to know if we're keeping ourselves in the love of Christ? Very clearly, are we obeying his commands? Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That is love to our Savior and Lord. That is the, in, in light of who he is and who we are. The only way that love can be described or the love can be manifested. So if you love me, you will obey my commands. There is no loving God and walking in disobedience. I'm not saying this because I'm judging anyone. I'm saying this because I need this, this to, to make me sober for life. We need this to make us sober for living. There is, there is no loving Jesus and being disobedient to his commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. When you look at Psalm 119, it's an incredible psalm. Where you read there how these people sought to obey God. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Let me not stray from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm telling you that there's got to be a generation that rises up that says, God, I hate sin and I love you. And I'm willing to get engaged in this warfare to get rid of sin in my life that I would draw close to you. There's got to be a generation in the church who says, okay, okay, we, we don't, we're not going to judge you. We, we love you, but we need you to get up. We need you to get up from the mire. God has more for you. There's got to be a people who get up and say, I'm fed up. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and being in these sick cycles. Oh, that we would hide the word of God in our hearts and make this commitment to stand up and not sin against him. I believe that this generation... I believe that God's calling a generation who are holy, who hate sin and love his commands. As we move forward, we must grow strong in the faith. We must learn to pray in the Holy Spirit, listen to the lead of the Holy Spirit. We must keep ourselves in the love of Christ. And we must bring others into, this king, into the kingdom of God. Again, as we read that scripture, it reads this way. Keep yourselves in the love of Christ, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life as we wait for the Lord. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Listen, we have a responsibility to this world. We have a responsibility to be connected to people who don't know Jesus and to show them the love of Christ. Not in a condescending way, but with a, 
reverent, fearful, honoring way. Not only honoring God, but honoring the people you're ministering to. Nobody receives from a Christian that's up here and speaks to them like this. Nobody. That's not Christianity. That's being a Pharisee. Jesus never did that. True Christianity understands that the reality is a little bit more serious, more, more, more tender than that. True Christianity, 2 Timothy chapter 2.26 says, And share the truth with those who oppose you with gentleness. And it says this because those who don't know the truth of Jesus Christ, they're captives of war. And it paints a picture that I have to be gentle because I've been given a mission to save. Not with, not with condescending attitudes, but with reverence and being gentle with those who do not believe in hopes that they come to Jesus the same way that I needed to come to Jesus. Not in any other way. Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? It's a gory movie of warfare. But the whole deal is that this whole platoon is sent out to save one man. This whole platoon risked their whole life to save this one man. To make sure this one man makes it home. Because the mother has already lost, I think, five of her other children. All and many of them gave their lives to save this one private Ryan. And I think, man, if the military can understand that, how much more the body of Christ, how much more gentleness do we need to have towards those who are held captive by the enemy? I don't believe that true grace is at work in our lives if we don't have a desire to see people get saved. I'm going to repeat that again. And I love you. I don't believe that true grace is really at work in our lives if we don't have a desire to see people get saved. I mean, how can we really know that we've been saved from hellfire and be okay with others going in that direction? How can we go to church by and by, minding our business, while our neighbors have no hope, no peace, no joy, and no understanding that Jesus died so that they can have peace that passes understanding. How can we go about life saying that we love Jesus while the people he loved are passing into eternity outside of him and we're not saying a thing about them? I'm sorry, but if we're going to grow in the grace of God, we have to have a heart that breaks for those who don't know Jesus. We must grow strong in the faith. We must grow, be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must keep ourselves in the love of Christ. We must bring others into this kingdom. And we must hate even the things that appear evil. We're going to grow strong in the Lord. This is the last thing. We must hate even the appearance of evil. There's got to be... And listen, this is not a judgment. This is not hate evil when you see it in others. This is hate evil when you see it in you. Are you with me? This is not hate evil when you see it in so-and-so. It's before you look at so-and-so, look at the plank in your own eye. Are you with me? And hate it. Not only that, hate the things that look like it. In other words, here Jude is saying what... What Paul said in Ephesians, don't let there even be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. 
right? And that's not just a reality for, for sexual morality. That's a reality for every part of our lives. Every part of our lives should be righteous because we're open books to the world. Now, we're not perfect, but cr- through Christ, right, we're perfected. And there is this sense in us that if we know that there is something that's evil in us that doesn't please God, that we're going to say, no, I hate it. I'm going to give it to you. And we're going to even look and say, God, help me, help me, give me the boundaries that I need in my life. What are some things in my life that I may not look at as sin that you're saying, I need you to get rid of that, son, because where I'm taking you, that can't go with you. I need you to get rid of that relationship, my son, because where I'm taking you, that relationship will never support you. I need you to get, I need you to get rid of that form of entertainment because I, you, you, there's no way you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit while you entertain that depravity. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I don't know. I'm just sharing with you the ways that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me uh, in, in those areas. And I, I want to share this reality. He says, he said, he said very clearly, uh, Look at the scripture, and we'll close right now. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even, hate even the garment stained by the flesh. Anything that has to do with the flesh has to die. Anything that has to do with the flesh has to die. Ephesians. Uh, where's that scripture? Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. I have a lot of talk about this. It says silly talk or coarse jest- jesting or, or dirty jokes is what we would call it today. And I talked to someone who had a habit of constantly sharing dirty jokes and i kind of just i i just want you to think about the reality of dirty jokes and and their effect because i think sometimes we give ourselves permissions in places we shouldn't give ourselves permission but i'm a highly visual person and when i hear a dirty joke it paints a picture in my mind when it paints a picture in my mind it invites me to go back to the stronghold jesus saved me from which is pornography and if i stumble because the one dirty joke is better for us. What, is, what does it say? Woe unto those who make one stumble. Be better for you to throw, or, or what does it say about the millstone? Put a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the depth of the sea. It's really serious stuff. It's very serious. This is not me. To, this, that's a scripture. Immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Instead of those things, replace those things with being an encourager by giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater. I want you to pay attention here. Coveting or wanting that which doesn't belong to us. Is idolatry before God. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let's pray. Would you stand with me today? Would you help me with this?
Praise God. Growing strong in the faith requires, if we're going to grow strong as believers, it requires that we grow in faith, that we hear the word of God, that we will grow in faith. It requires that we would say every day yes to the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We would say yes to that. It requires that we obey His commands, that we maintain in His love. And how do we keep in the love of God? Obeying His commands. Amen? Obeying His commands. It requires... It requires that we would have mercy towards those who don't know Jesus. That we would be about bringing people to know Jesus. Disciples make disciples. If we're disciples, we're making disciples. It requires that we have a hunger and a longing to see people come to Jesus. If you don't have that today and you've been in church for a long time, I know what that's like. I know exactly what this, I'm, I know what that's like. But I want to tell you that you're, you and I would be missing out on life and on first love and on joy when we're not connected to people who are just getting saved. I'm telling you, there's something that happens when you, when, you're, when you get excited about people getting saved. I mean, they say, I don't know the, the particular statistics, so I'm not going to quote it, but you know how many people say they believe in Christ and never led one person to Jesus in their lives? I want, you to start, I, I want you to start praying and yearning. God, give me a desire for souls. Give me a desire. Maybe you don't know how. Talk to me. We'll figure it out. We'll practice this. All right? We'll, we'll go preach the gospel. We'll do whatever it takes. Jesus says, go snatch souls out of the gates of hell. I mean, the scriptures say it right there. And it also means, God, uh, it also means a hatred of sin and a longing for righteousness. Oh, Lord, I, I, I'm an expert at hating my brother's sin. I just can't get myself at hating my own sin more than I hate my brother's sin. I want to hate my sin more than I hate my brother's sin. Lord, help me to have the grace to focus on the things you're dealing with in me before I throw judgments at others. Lord, thank yes, you for Lord, your presence yes. today. Thank you for your word today. We want to grow in you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your presence leading us to another level of holiness and responding to you. Lord, I thank you for your very presence right now just dealing with us. Lord, we want to be holy. We want to say yes to your will. We want to say yes to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we sense, we look at what's happening today across the world and we see everything that you said would happen at the end of days. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's pestilence, Lord God, and there's natural disasters. People are lovers of themselves instead of loving you. They're boastful, abusive, ungrateful, unholy, and unforgiving, God. There's a form of godliness in the church, but there's no power, God. We see all these things, God. We see all these things take place, and we know, God, that you're calling the generation of holiness. And we say yes. We say yes to growing in you. We say yes to growing in you today. Amen. Amen. Would the altar workers join me up here at the altar right now? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 If the altar workers would just join me right now. Those who pray. You know, maybe as, as, as uh, maybe through the messages in the area and all, and all the messages you felt led, 
you know that you need to give that to God and you need prayer for it. That's you, whatever that area may be, I don't know. Jesus, come up to the altar. We'd like to partner with you and pray with you. Whether you're here and you're saying, you know what, I, uh, it's, I, I struggle with obeying his commands. Would you pray for me? I want to be obedient. I want to make a commitment to obey God. Whether you're here and you're saying, I want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Or whether you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I, I want to have a hunger for souls. I want to have a hunger for souls. I, I realize I don't have that. I, I believe strongly that God wants me to have that. Would you pray for me? The altars are open. We'd love to pray with you. The altars are open. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. That's right. Let me pray with you as, as we close. I want to remind you that we're having a fellowship right next door, and we welcome you to take part in that. Father, I just bless your people. I thank you for leading us closer to you that we may walk in holiness all the days of our lives, God. We thank you for your great grace that carries and sustains us through it. But I thank you that your grace calls us to be engaged and to grow strong in you. We pray God make, I pray God make your people strong in you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.